Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome back to this week's edition of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish. Uh, and we've got a, uh, a big show for you. We're going to talk about all the happenings in the college football world, which is currently shaking at its depths and uh, uh, crumbling all around us. But before we get into that, Hudson, you uh, no hat, no glasses. I'm not sure I'm used to seeing, and, and haircut. Uh, I'm not used... To uh, to see any of this way, yeah, I know exactly. I've got a uh, at the in laws place right now, so I've got a nice ring light. Uh, so I didn't want the glasses reflection. Got a new haircut. I know a little bit of a different look. Fresh. That, by, which, by the way, I'm sure our audio listeners are just thrilled uh, <laughs> that we started off with that. Exactly. Freshened up since I uh, last saw you. Since we were in. Uh... Well, we were in Austin, I guess, last time I saw you. Uh, Good point. The, I was about to say H-Town, but you're right. Yeah, on the tail end of our Houston trip. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's get right into it. To paraphrase uh, a bar from one of my favorite rappers uh, of the early 2000s, Merce, the world has gone crazy since we last spoke. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, NIL and the transfer portal. and. I think like you could look at a couple of different stories and it it was really funny how it went from very Texas centric to kind of being able to be an outside observer. And then all of a sudden the, you know, this, this issue had come to the doorstep of Austin once again. So uh, if you're just uh, joining us or you haven't seen the news, we'll start, let's just kind of start with, to me where like this this last week kicked off and that was the decision for oshawn mathis the uh the tcu transfer defensive end um coming down to nebraska and texas you know early on had some sources around him and felt that it wouldn't be anywhere else but texas but in the last month or really two weeks it was really heavy on like hey i, I i'm not sure what else texas can do here they've done just about everything but i don't think they're going to get him uh, you know, in the end, Texas did not get Mathis, who uh, ended up picking Nebraska. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of echo that uh, that sentiment that what else could they have done? They hosted him four times on on visits, including one official visit. Um, I think Texas showed him everything they, that they could show him, I think, when it comes down to it. Um, you know, whether it be NIL, which I – you know, I think we're going to have a larger discussion about Texas and, and NIL here in a little bit, but whether it be that or just kind of his role in the defense, 
it sucks. I think Texas would have loved to have him, but, you know, they just couldn't win out. Yeah, and also, you know, we're a pretty PG-rated podcast, Not even though I uh, have a bad tendency to cuss a lot in real life. This might be the one episode where where something slips out because the best way to describe the last, uh, especially two to three days, has kind of been a shit show. Uh, and while we're talking Sean Mathis, that's a little bit of a different ball game. That's just a straight up portal recruitment loss head to head with Nebraska. Um, you know, Mike, it got to the point where, uh, 24 hours from decision TCU seemed to be a more credible threat than Texas, which if you would have told me that when Sean Mathis entered the portal and all signs seemed to port to point to him ending up at Texas, I mean, I don't even know what I would have thought. So I don't know. I think you break it. I think I think you broke it down pretty effectively. It's just a massive loss, and especially when you think about how Texas and Pete Kwiatkowski like to run this scheme him at the Jack edge spot would have opened up Ophia Gofu to buck. And then Baron Sorrell is the third rotational guy, which is a lot more intriguing than the possibility of, you know, Ophi and uh, Baron Sorrell and whoever else is in the edge room having to play major snaps. I mean, that was one of the bigger weaknesses on the team that, you could have upgraded with who a lot of media services and I think even 247 had as the number one portal prospect in <laughs> uh, ranked. And so it's just a brutal loss and something that with the local Mainer product, I kind of didn't see coming until the last 72 hours or so when we started to get word that, okay, you know, this is trending poorly i mean mike we were at the spring game together i think a week before his decision and we were looking at a sean mathis and we had heard a ton of stuff during spring practice too about oh yeah he's basically just one of the guys and oh he's back again for his official yeah. like i mean god what a brutal brutal beat for texas yeah obviously a huge area of need for them um and you know just weren't able to get it done uh, on that front i do think that uh Talking to people, there was a little frustration with the way O'Shawn approached the recruitment. Um, you know, a lot of times when you deal with the portal kids, they kind of want the theatrics of it out of the way. You know, they kind of get that out of the way. Maybe because O'Shawn wasn't this massive recruit out of yeah, high school. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You know, he he decided to enjoy his time, but, you know, it was mentioned to me a couple of times that he treated it more like a 16-year-old than uh, anything and, else. And, you know, to each their own, like, he's getting a lot of – <laughs> dollars thrown his way and you know again ton of big time programs were after him but it, it's you're right it is one of those things that it was a deviation from a lot of the other portalers like you know orion watts is not handling his process that way yeah so uh just i think frustrating for texas on the front of pouring as much time into it as they did i went back because i went back and looked i think he went in in january yeah he did and the even then the thought was okay it's just a matter of time until he ends up at texas and that's another reason why you know a lot of times you don't want these things to drag out like even with the ajay hall commitment that was one of the worries that i had was there were there were talks when he was on campus of okay well he can't even enroll until this date so why don't we just, no close that thing as quick as possible 
make it a public commit and then go from there. Don't let yeah. guys have three or four months to convince themselves or, or let other suitors come in and then, you know, drop a legal bag. I don't, I don't think it's a death sentence, but I always worry when a planned commitment starts getting pushed months and yeah. months. I said this last year when Bryce Anderson. Was it Bryce? Uh, yeah, I was a jinx, but Bryce Anderson's yeah. the perfect example. When Bryce Anderson said he was going to commit in April, I said, okay, that's good for Texas. Yeah. When he initially said, I'm going to push it back to July, I said, okay, that's not great for Texas, but it's not, you know, you know the worst thing when he said okay i'm gonna push it back a little more i was like this is you know we're we're in it, we're having an issue now but even in april when it got pushed back to july i thought this has officially become it's gone from bryce essentially being a silent commit to now we're in yeah. a real fight here so um yeah i'm never never wild about that with a timeline so you know portal losses happen things happen you move on um, you know, I still think Texas has a really good portal class. Still a couple of guys out there. Isaiah Land uh, from Florida A&M. That's the one FCS people are going to be excited to hear about. Yeah, and I uh, haven't heard a ton there yet. I do know that Tashar Choice has a good relationship with him, so Texas has a bit of a link there. We'll see kind of if they can get him on campus. Uh, but you kind of go back and, you know, we're looking at the, the May 1st deadline and, okay, all the names that are, that are names are going to be in there and, you kind of almost feel your body relaxing a little bit, right? Because in a couple of days, we're not going to have to report anything. And we're pretty much almost to the finish line of this portal thing, right? And then, boom, this weekend hits. And uh, I'm bound to get this timeline wrong, so so uh, so correct me if I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, we literally go from the O'Shawn Mathis news to a story breaking that Jordan Addison is considering leaving Pittsburgh during uh, the for, draft, yeah. During the draft for a large uh, NIL deal with USC, which brings about all the questions of tampering and being able <laughs> to recruit kids on sitting rosters. And you sit there and you, as a Texas fan, and you go, oh, wow, that's crazy, and, and look at it. And then all of a sudden, news starts to come out that, you know, maybe Jade Barron is on the move and, and maybe he's going to go and take a bigger pace payday somewhere and there's a there was an approach made to xavier worthy which look yeah. i think a lot of people would have been upset had johnny baron left and i think it would of course, have yeah. essentially hurt this team i can't imagine what would have happened had xavier worthy taken an offer and left and and understandably so I, it would have been one of the more shocking kind of horrible moments of offseason history i mean having the uh you know the university of texas's best wide receiver and you know probably best second like second overall best player get poached by another school illegally would have just i mean goodness every single message board would just be and you know of course like the reddit college football accounts and those types would get their jokes off but goodness gracious could you even imagine luckily xavier kind of shut that down pretty quickly and um but yeah the jade baron stuff that was that was a you know mike i feel uh, you know how when presidents uh, get into office, normally their portrait is, you know, like, oh, he's mm-hmm. young and hopeful. And mm-hmm. then, you know, eight, four to eight years later, they have gray hair and their face looks horrible and aged. 
that would have been me if the Jade Baron saga had played out for like a week more. Because goodness gracious, that was that was some stuff. I mean, it's almost to the point too to where we're normalizing the fact that you know we know and the national college football media knows that other schools are just tampering with play. Like they're just like, hey, this is what you'll get here. Just hop in the portal. Like it's wild that that is normalized. Yeah, and it's not hard to do. It's not. It's no, not, like, not at all. It's not like this head coach is calling Xavier Worthy, but it's easy to talk through teammates or talk to a parent or an uncle or a coach or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, there's some random guy that, you know, somehow has a connect. That is a really good point because sometimes – and I see it a lot too with like Lincoln Riley getting shots on Twitter or, you know, uh, Dan Lanning. It's like, guys, these are not the people that are making these connects. Yeah. No, it's it is an issue. I talked to a college coach today who said, "Yeah, it's absolutely an issue," and um, you know that there are people who have taken kind of this legal, like I guess some people call it nil. We just call it legal bags. Um, they've taken yeah. that and run with the ability to do what they can while there are no rules. So right now there are no rules. Now I, I do think we are, it looks like according to a lot of reports, the NCAA is starting to adjust and maybe codifying some things, pulling back on the reins, which I mean, if we can get into it, but this yeah. whole thing's on the NCAA as it is like, they yeah, have, absolutely. They've had years since the O'Bannon case was made. Like everybody knew this day was coming where players would get paid. So why don't you spend that time putting a structure in place that works for everybody instead of just saying, you know what, you guys wanted this. Here it goes. Here's it's wild west. And then eventually you're gonna have to do something about it anyways. Yeah. And 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 my thing too is a lot of fans right now are of the, and I think understandably so, by the way, are of the opinion, okay, the NCAA had time and they didn't do anything, but what do we do from here on? And the answer is sure, the NCAA can enforce legislation and try to get this fixed but everybody knows that they don't have any teeth to actually do anything like what okay x school is going to tamper and get six players to go into the portal and drop legal nil bags and then what their coach is going to get hit with a show clause i mean give me like okay what does that even do i mean it's just to the point now to where it kind of is the wild wild west we're gonna have to embrace it and adapt and i just frankly don't trust that the ncaa is going to enact and enforce any legislation to truly um make a difference when it comes to this i think that your best bet as a college football fan if you are really upset about this is sadly probably waiting until the ncaa blows up and the eventual super conferences have their own legislation i mean that's probably the you know eight years away or so but i mean goodness i and granted that is a pretty pessimistic view of the situation but at the same time what mark emmert's replacement is suddenly gonna you know just start yeah you know putting on right an administrative, and- yeah riding into town and putting on an administrative clinic i mean come on the fbi themselves have been struggling to put anybody in jail for the the college basketball scandal where there seemingly is a ton of evidence, but what, like six assistants have maybe gotten punishment for it. I mean, it's just, 
it's just a pretty broken situation and it's the thing i love college football so much but goodness gracious it's a it's not a great look right now yeah i mean it's it's tough and if you're a fan of a you know charlotte or a utsa or pittsburgh or smu you gotta yeah. be terrified i mean any if i was in appalachian state or like louisiana like programs g5 programs that run really effectively i'd be petrified right now yeah because i mean you can't any de- talent you develop is probably not going to make it through at your school i mean you're just you've become a developmental step for these bigger colleges to buy and i think what's important is there are a lot of people freaking out about this i think there is a balance coming because balance also always comes to this sort of thing and you and i have talked about this if the transfer portal is college football's version of free agency. We've all learned via the NFL, it's not the, the best way to build a roster is not through free agency. Yeah. And if these collectives and boosters and all these people are spending the money, eventually they're going to get burned and that's going to cause them to pull back on spending and uh, or, or at least try to be smarter about it. I, I think right now we're in the beginning stages where everybody's trying to uh, get everything they can. But I do think a balance is coming because it just naturally will. Yeah. And <laughs> to this point, and I'm going to try to keep this in my mind to potentially clip in the future. I think that you're going to see too these collectives start w- trying to work with personnel departments of, okay, what are the premium positions we need? How, what, it, what is our scale for how much we're going to give an edge versus a safety versus a wide receiver, running back quarterback? Because I think that we've talked about this before. There are some collectives and some NIL programs and, you know, frankly, some schools out there that are just dropping bags to in legal bags and some illegal to guys that don't really merit them like you know and so i bet that in the next two or three years you're going to see a i I like the nfl um comparison you're going to see almost like front offices working with acquisition teams with nil which is a little bit of a bleak thought i guess but i don't know innovation always happens and that seems to be where the next line is going yeah, and so uh, just kind of to wrap up the NIL deal. Uh, so Jordan Addison is in the portal after all of that, after all the back and forth. Uh, Judd A. Barrett is not. Where is Texas with Jordan Addison? People ask a lot because obviously there's some links there. Brendan Marion was his receiver coach at Pittsburgh. Um, Texas has put together a pretty impressive uh, receiver portal class, but um, I think it begs the question, Hudson, like, even if you could get Jordan Addison, is is that an addition you should make to this roster at this point? I've thought about it a lot. I think that at the end of the day, you know, don't overthink it. Add the Bolitnikov winner to your roster and figure it out from there. But to anybody who's just thinking that, you know, this is the a video game world, which I love, where you can just put four wide receivers out there and constantly rotate and everybody's going to be happy. We know that's not going to happen. So of course you add probably the most talented wide receiver in college football to your roster. And you try to elevate that offense. You try to potentially even get it to maybe it was a top 10 offense uh, heading out of the spring. Let's try to elevate it to top three. Let's really go all gas and get him on campus the problem is 
when it comes to figuring out roles. And Mike, we were talking about this the other day. So you have Jordan Addison and Xavier Worthy are clearly not coming off the field for the most part. Like that's who you're building it around. Isaiah Nayor had an amazing spring and a great spring game. He's clearly a really good potential NFL level talent. Jordan Whittington had a fantastic spring and seems to be the guy that they trust the most on third down. They added a Jai Hall who essentially is a Julio Jones region athletically and the staff loved enough to bring him from Alabama when there were a lot of questions. Then there, there's still so many other options. Plus Jatavian Sanders at tight end, who was great. Isaiah, uh, or sorry, uh, Jaleel Billingsley at tight end were fantastic this spring. There are just so many options. It then becomes, how do you fit the puzzle together? My answer and kind of what I've figured out is that's why you have Steve Sarkeesian as your head coach to bring the weapons, figure it out and produce an offense that's scoring 40 plus a game. Yeah, and so I I don't know. It's been a it's been a back and forth subject for me. I know you and I have talked a lot about. It. I I just personally like I, and look, I think you could convince me either way. Like what you say about Jordan Whittington is true, but also every year we go into the season kind of depending on Jordan Whittington and then yeah, it's a lot easier to make the bet on Jordan Whittington when it's oh yeah, he's our fourth best receiver. That's awesome. Like teams would kill for that. But then, then if he gets injured in the fifth game, you're not going. Oh God. Yeah. So I mean, it it, it just depends on that. I think um, him staying healthy is the biggest piece. Um, all right. I think that's uh, well. So here's kind of where we are with it. I think that Texas will be involved. I think that all the momentum has kind of been on USC for a reason. I think the kids don't really go into the portal without a plan. Uh, for a reason, but I do think that Addison will probably entertain some offers. I think Texas will make a push. Um, we'll see if it's good enough, but I think if you're asking me for my pick right now, um, I, I would probably go USC. Yeah, that, that seems to be the read. Mike, is there any part of you that wonders? I think that he seriously is considering Texas. Let me first say that. I do think that he's going to give Texas a shot. Is there any part of you that wonders if Jordan Addison and his camp are just going to maybe draw out the process a little bit to make sure that USC doesn't get hammered for any tampering allegations? They already have, but is there any part of you that's like, maybe they'll make it seem like other schools had a little bit more of a shot just so that uh, USC doesn't get hit too hard? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they just want to... You know, hey, let's fire up the bidding war and, and yeah. see what we can get here. So, And that's a player, too. I just want to be clear. Jordan Addison is worth whatever. Like, it's a one-year rental, sure, but he's worth the money. This is not a, you know, uh, recruit that's getting paid $300,000 or whatever, and you're like, wait, what? No, this is the Bolitnikoff winner who has the traits to be a high-level NFL guy. Like, he's worth whatever bidding the bidding war ends up uh, topping out at. Okay, so that's the craziness of the transfer portal this week. Uh, hopefully, we won't have to do that segment every week because um, I'm pretty tired of it. Uh, for those of you um, listening at home on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break so you can hear from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hudson, let's talk a little bit about uh, just some random recruiting notes. Kind of a slower time right now as we build up to official visit season. Uh, But with that in mind, we are getting some, um, you know, top schools action and guys a lot of guys cutting down to kind of that final five, less top tens and top twelves, and more uh, kind of top five. So uh, we're getting an idea for those uh, those top schools just in the last week or so. Jonte Cook uh, with a top five that included Texas, obviously. Uh, Kyle Flood with a or not Kyle Flood, I'm sorry, Connor Stroh with a top five, mm-hmm. uh, including Texas. Um, Jaden Greathouse four. Yeah, Sadir Mitchell had like a top nine or something. I think mm-hmm. that uh, Ian Reed had a top ten. But guys starting to narrow things down and figure out where they're going to visit this summer. And I think a lot of them with summer timelines. Yeah, and with Ian Reed too, I, I don't know Sadir Mitchell really well, so I don't want to make the same assumption about them. But Ian Reed just strikes me as a kid that's too sweet to make the final cut down to five. Like he's already planning his official visit, so he kind of clearly does have a five in mind. But he's just always been such a nice kid that I can imagine that he's just like, well, I don't want to cut them out. Um, (laughs) Was there any top uh, schools list that – and this is some real niche recruiting talk. Is there any top schools list particularly that kind of stood out to you? Like, because I I have have a pick. Uh, Nothing about – like I mean, like, yeah, I think Ian Reed's list stood out to me because it's gone from – Everybody. Yeah, it's gone from wow, Texas is uh, you know, they're they're kind of the first big school living on Ian Reed to uh yeah. you know, he's joined but you're joined by Clemson, Georgia, yeah, Ohio State. I did so right before we, we hopped on this podcast, I did talk to Ian for a little bit, um, who told me that he does not have a Texas visit set. He is still figuring out what other visits he's going to take, but said if he had to guess right now, Texas will get an official visit. So um and you know Texas will uh, Texas will aim to get that last spot. Clemson already has one, I think, for early June. So you know Texas is going to want him to schedule the rest of them so they can take that last weekend. I would say, and I think you're probably this is your pick, but I would say Jaden Greathouse's yeah, uh, list stood out to me. Yeah, so I'll let you enumerate on that. Because I think you have a really interesting look into Jaden Greathouse as a player or as a you know recruit and how he's handling his process. So South Carolina is the name of the four that I think will kind of make people a little bit question, but it makes sense when you think about the fact that OU was one of his first offers along with Texas, and he had a really good relationship with Shane Beamer. So regardless of where South Carolina may or may not be as a program, he's going to bank on relationships. He has OU in there who – you know, is definitely in the mix. And then you kind of have almost a de facto top two 
of Notre Dame and Texas, which I find pretty interesting. A source told me that the family really loved uh, the atmosphere at South Bend. It was a very influential visit for them. I think that the post-visit high may wear off a little bit, and then you will get a true top two of Texas and Notre Dame. And I saw a couple people on the board, and I addressed it today, that were kind of wondering if Texas was um, even pursuing great house that much yeah they they absolutely yeah. love him as a player and want him in this class make absolutely no doubt about that he is a big time priority for texas yeah brody marion showed up at westlake today uh, as we're mm -hmm. recording this on uh what is today tuesday uh yes. yeah tuesday afternoon so yeah he is absolutely a, a big time guy for them uh honey we had a um i have i have one okay no, I have one dude, not top schools, but this is a guy that we saw at the spring game that got offered. And it's kind of an interesting uh, player to add into the mix at tight end. Spencer Shannon from Mater mm -hmm. Day out in California, big six foot seven, 240 pound tight end. That's one that I'm really intrigued by, Mike. You saw him in part. You saw him uh, actually playing seven on seven, right? And you kind of mentioned that he was high on Texas. Can you talk about that offer a little bit? Yeah. So Spencer is um, so funny enough. We were in uh, Las Vegas for the Battle Seven on Seven tournament with Twenty Four Seven Sports. I was with. Um, our national team, Brandon Huffman, Blair Angulo, and Chris Singletary, and I were in a Chick Fil A uh, in North or in West Las Vegas uh, on the way to the tournament, making sure we got breakfast in, uh, and saw this giant kid standing in line in front of us for Chick Fil A as well. And uh, he had an Orange County Elite, which was his team uh, backpack on, and uh, we were all kind of like, "Man, who is that kid?" and uh, finally, Brandon Huffman just said, hey, OC Elite Kid, what's your name? And, um, you know, we talked there and uh, Spencer is, uh, you know, he looks just, I mean, like he walked by when we were standing there for the spring game. You got to eyeball and looks incredible. Yeah, look, looks look, like right? an official dude, like goodness gracious. Yeah. And so um, he and I talked at that tournament. You know, he had said Texas would be a big offer because a lot of his family was from the Houston area. Um, he had lived in that area for a while and um, really liked Jeff Banks and all that stuff. But Texas wasn't really messing with him a lot then. And then, you know, finally got in contact with him, got him out to campus. He got the offer while he's there. So I think the pecking order at tight end is fairly like set right now. I think Absolutely. obviously they're all in on Lafayette K way. Um, and I think Will Randall obviously is, uh, comes with the deal with Arch, I think if they want him. Um, and so I think Shannon kind of slots in behind those guys that they miss, but really love, you know, the size and then just watching him move. He's a basketball player as well, uh, plays a little volleyball. So I think he's got good feet for his size. He's not, you know, cement footed as we absolutely see agree. Guys. Yeah, no, I, I loved what I saw from him movement-wise. He kind of surprised me a little bit. And, Mike, I just I just really like when staffs are proactive with their um, next targets. So we know that Lafayette's going to decide in August, and we know that Will Randall is a little bit of a handcuff to Arch Manning. Um, so I just really like, okay, if Lafayette decides to uh, go to North Carolina, 
well, now we have a guy that instead of making up ground when he's either already committed to UCLA or somewhere else, now we already have an inroad with it and we can then push and try to get that second tight end spot or tight end one spot locked up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hudson, you had an offer today, actually, before we got on to record this, that you really liked a guy that you've been uh, championing. I think I've written him a couple times in articles about, you know, guys they should evaluate and kind of out of nowhere, uh, this one drops. So why don't you tell us about Hunter Osborne? Yeah, so there are, are a list of guys that the first time and second time that I met Mike, I was just like, okay, you know, been a fan now in the industry. I've got to get your take on these players. And they were Major Everhart from Amarillo Tesco. So Bryson Washington from Franklin, you know, Terry Bussey from Timpson. But I always would throw, hey, there's this kid. He's Justice Finkley's teammate named Hunter Osborne. I think he's going to have every offer in the nation. How do we get Texas to offer him? And for the longest time, Texas was one of the few power five schools that hadn't offered Hunter Osborne. He is a six foot four, I think now like 270 pound, um, maybe maybe a little bit lighter than that defensive lineman. Like I said, he goes he, he goes to Justice Finkley's former high school, Hewitt Trustville, which is a powerhouse in the state of Alabama. And Bo Davis swung by the school today. He wasn't there. Uh, Osborne wasn't at the school, but quickly his head coach called him and said, hey, one of the offers you've been waiting on is here for you. Bo Davis called him and essentially told Osborne, look, I know I'm late to the party and that you're looking to potentially narrow down your list here pretty soon, but give us a chance and you won't regret it. And from my conversation with him, I absolutely think that if Texas and Steve Sarkeesian really push hard for him, that he's going to give Texas a fair shot. He told me last June that when his parents would ask him, okay, you want to play college football, you want to, you know, do this, who do you want, where would you ideally like to go? Texas was always a school for him that was one of the first out of his mouth. Then you add in the fact that Justice Finkley and his family rave about Austin and about the education at the University of Texas. And now <laughs> the Longhorns have a, a, a possibility to grab another high four star when it comes to the 2023 class it's a really smart offer and if texas does put their foot on the gas they could actually make an inroad here normally when you are the you know 35th or 40th power five school to offer somebody the recruitment has already uh they they know kind of what they're gonna do and it's too late but that's not the case here and it's really fortunate for the horns yeah, and a guy that I, I've liked for since, I mean, I think since you told me about him, I started. And you can notice him when you watched Finkley's Huddle last Absolutely. year. Absolutely, know, yeah. You, you noticed, uh, hey, man, it doesn't appear that Finkley's the only guy that can play on this team. Um, and so uh, I think uh, uh, another SEC body type, another oh, guy that kind of – now, you see him as an inside guy. I think he's got a little versatility, right? I mean, would you say that? Yeah, so he plays a lot of five tech for uh, Hewitt Trustville, and he's told me that schools kind of see him at five or three. So definitely some versatility. And I just looked, and he's the number 115th ranked player, according to 247. Like, Mike, how many, you know, top 120, top 150-ish guys do you get in on this late? Like, it just doesn't really happen. Especially Not a lot. No. Your schools in the mix are Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, like 
just doesn't really happen. Yeah, yeah, not a lot at all. So uh, a good offer to see one that, um, you know, we were pleasantly surprised by. I know I sent it to you so because I wasn't sure if you'd seen it. About the oh, time yeah. I sent it to you, I saw that you retweeted it. So I, I uh, know you're excited there. All right, anything else uh, from the week you kind of want to hit on before we get out of here? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Oh, one thing, just a minor note, something kind of cool. Um, a recruit that doesn't have any offers yet, but that I've been following for a little bit, Jarvis Anderson out of Taylor, Texas, set the number one uh, triple jump in the for prep athletes in the state of Texas, I think with a 51-1, just an absolutely insane jump. But to qualify for state, and I believe he also qualified in the 300 and 100 meter hurdles, but Jarvis isn't going to be competing at the state meet because he's going to be representing the USA in the Deaf Olympics. He is, um, I believe, fully deaf or at the I, at the very least partially deaf. And so just wanted to wish him good luck. It's really, I wish that he was competing at the UIL state meet because I do think that he would take home gold in at least one event. But what an opportunity for him. Really excited. And I don't know, just one of the cooler stories of the week. It's an awesome story. It's one Hudson put me on to. Uh, Jarvis is a, kind of a do-it-all guy at Taylor. He can play defense, offense, whatever. He's in, in a small school like that. He's the type of athlete who can just do everything. Um, and to be deaf and uh, to be able to compete still at the high levels he does, I just think it's a really neat story. And so uh, – we wish wishing Jarvis luck going into the uh, the Olympic Games there. For sure. And, uh, and any G five and FCS schools uh, that are listening, check out the tape. It's it's pretty good, and he has verified yeah. athleticism. So for any traitsy G five and FCS schools, definitely give Jarvis Anderson out of Taylor, Texas, a look. Twenty twenty three. We we definitely know that that DPPs from. Uh, all over G5. Absolutely. Yeah. Furman, the, the Coastal Carolinas, the Wyoming's of the world, they're just listening to the state of recruiting. They can't get enough. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next, uh, we're going to do two episodes this week. That's a uh, Hudson has made that call. Um, and so because we didn't do one last week, this is going to be kind of our informational one. Uh, we're dropping this Thursday. I yeah, believe. Thursday. So, Thursday. So if if you are not on Horns 24-7, if you're not a subscriber, you have probably, I'd say, 10 hours by the time that you're listening to this to subscribe and then post in the mailbag for tomorrow's episode. Yeah. And so then we're going to we're going to do a mailbag for Friday um, and kind of give you guys two since we didn't get one last week. All right. Uh, anything else, Hudson, before we get out of here? I'll do it. All right. Uh, thank you to you guys for listening. Thank you to uh, Taylor Estes for putting the show together and producing it on the back end. For Hudson Standish, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.